Hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you, the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan, contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I've been watching this all morning, and I'm shaking. Um, and that conversation doesn't help. Uh, you know, yeah, what it we brings us back you know, to... Yeah. 2012 in Pennsylvania, I was at that trial, the Jerry Sandusky trial, hearing witness after witness describe not only the horrible crimes that were perpetrated again, but the indifference, the silence from the people who could have made a difference. In some respects, that battle is still being fought at Penton State when you talk about uh, Spanier and and, uh, Schultz and Curley Curley, Spanier on appeal right now. Um, you know, it, it's it's two stories. You know, the, the sad, horrible fact is that these kinds of deviants exist among us, and it's very hard to detect them. But then it's the other people who are covering up for them, protecting them, looking the other way, circling the wagons, who are in some ways uh, as insidious. Yeah. And the shocking part of this is the continuation of that in all of this. Hopefully what we're seeing today and what we heard Ali Raisman say right there is the beginning of a reckoning in gymnastics. Because you're talking about young girls put in a position repeatedly not to speak up, threatened if they do, wagons circled against them if they came up with different things to say, speaking out, people not even reporting claims. I mean, this is beyond Title IX violations. This is possible criminal charges for some of these folks. So hopefully this is the beginning of a reckoning, and hopefully people are held accountable because there is a lot of enabling, and we're just seeing the beginning of it Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is episode 62 of JSC Radio. Appreciate everybody who supports the show, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio, whether it is on Google Play, whether it's on Stitcher Radio or on Audio Boom. I want to thank you for supporting me on jscottsmith.com, and I especially want to thank each and every one of you who have supported me on Patreon, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Because of your donations and your patronage, I am giving you this show on some new equipment. So with that, 
I want to say thank you. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate all the support you've given me on this show and my various ventures. And yeah, we're not doing anything silly today. I initially had the idea that this show was going to look at the wild finishes in the national championship game and over the weekend in Minneapolis during the uh, the Vikings and the Saints. But I'm not going to do that. Not now. Expect a 62.5 to come sometime in the next couple days. I, I can't do that. Not in good conscience. Not when my alma mater is basically ex being exposed as being no better than the scumbags at Baylor University, no better than the scumbags out, at, out in State College at Penn State, no better than a lot of the, the scumbaggery that was going on at the University of Nebraska back in the 90s or at the University of Miami or any of the other, or, or the Catholic Church or any number of these media companies and businesses that are out here getting exposed for mistreating women. Michigan State University is at a crossroads right now. You remember I did episode 40. It was back in May of last year. And during that show, the first half of it was spent with me sharing my favorite memories of being a Spartan. It was spent with me sharing my favorite moments of being a Spartan. And of all things, I never imagined the types of things that I would be hearing from these young women the, uh, the last few days coming from that courtroom in Lansing, a courtroom that I've sat in before as a journalist covering trials and court cases. Describe what you've seen this morning. I've been watching from a distance and I'm shaking. What, what's it like to be in that room? It's been tough, to be honest with you, Bob. It's, uh, it's highly emotional for everybody, including the people who are covering this. Uh, we've had to sit there and listen to mothers who've talked about their daughters committing suicide. Uh, the first woman to speak today uh, spoke about how uh, she was abused as a six-year-old girl in Larry Nasser's basement, molested in his basement, and who, when she later told her parents the father didn't believe her, and when he finally did believe her, he died by suicide. Uh, the trail of human wreckage left by Larry Nasser may never be completely calculated. I, I, before I go into this, and I want to make this point abundantly clear, to anyone who is just now getting around to understanding the details of the story, please know that it is just as galling and just as disgusting and just as shocking to those of us who are alumni of the school, to those of us who supported the school financially and emotionally, as it is for anybody else. This is not something that we're going to sit here and co-sign. This is not something that we're going to treat like, the, like I said, the scumbags out there in Happy Valley who tried to defend and make excuses for this. You're not going to see any statues being erected. You're not going to see any protests. You're not going to see any, well, they did it too. You're not going to get that out of us. Because this is one of the all-time great shames of Michigan State University, a university that was founded in 1855, a university that's been in the Big Ten for more than half a century. A school that has given so much to me, that is so much of my identity, that as I sit at this table and record this show right now, 
I have a Michigan State University baseball cap sitting in front of the computer. I've got another one sitting next to me in another chair. I've got another one sitting behind me. I've got a Michigan State University blanket on my couch. My degree hangs on the wall. I have a jacket that has a Spartan head on it. I've got numerous hats and t-shirts and hoodies. I've, I've worn the hoodies while doing JSC TV. I have put up with so much crap, so much bullshit from Michigan fans, so much garbage from people who know so little about my school for so long, and I've defended it and fought like hell to preserve its good name, especially to those of you who don't know a goddamn thing about Michigan State University. What I'm not going to do is make any excuses for this. I don't make a habit of getting on and saying things like this, but I'm going to say it. Luana K. Simon needs to resign, and she needs to tender her resignation as soon as possible. Another day should not pass with that woman as president of Michigan State University. Get out now. And you've got a bunch of people to take with you. Get out now. Don't end up like Graham Spanier did over at Penn State. Get out now while you still have some shred of credibility, while you still have some morsel of respect. The level of incompetence mixed with, mouth, mixed with cowardice, mixed with malfeasance, mixed with arrogance and hubris that surrounds this issue with Larry Nasser is enough to make my head spin. It's enough to make me physically ill. It is, it's difficult for me to sit and listen to some of these stories and some of these victim statements that these women have told. And you heard it in the intro. And it's been going on for a couple days now. And it's hard. Very graphic details. The stories of moms giving victim statements because the daughter committed suicide. The stories of children giving victim statements. I'll, in fact, I'll get to that young lady that I'm referring to in a second. But here's the thing. Larry Nasser was able to prey on young women and girls for more than two decades, damn near a quarter century. Actually, some of the earliest complaints about him were in 1992. It's 2000, it, was, it was 2016 when they finally hauled his ass in. So he was on his way to 25 years of this nonsense. 25 years of this bullshit. Unfettered. And in some cases, aided and abetted by the likes of Kathy Clagus and John Gettard. I, I don't like to do things like this. I had a really fun show with a really fun intro and some really cool shit lined up for this week. But for the second time in eight months, I have to sit here and talk about my university deciding that its bottom line was a lot more important than the lives of more than 100 young women and girls. 101. That's the number of girls and women that are going to give victim statements. The shit will go into Monday. It could go on forever. There were more than 150 women and girls who were victims of Larry Nasser and the scam and the scheme he was running, this grotesque, quote-unquote, medical procedure that he, that he was telling people he was performing on these girls, most of them teenagers. It's not medical. Before I go forward here, because a lot of this I'm going to pull, this timeline has been impeccably put together by the people at the Detroit News, a newspaper I used to work for. 
I'm going to say this and get this out of the way. If you're one of these Johnny-come-latelys who's just finding out about this story, there's nothing wrong with that because it's kind of confusing and kind of confounding. But it's been out there for more than a year. It's actually been out there for about two years now. But don't come up in here talking about why isn't Larry Nasser a household name? Why This is the story that nobody's talking about, that nobody knows about. How come people don't know who Larry Nasser is? I'm not sure where you've been the last two years there, Buttercup. But we've known about Larry Nasser and about this entire scandal for at least two years. Just because you're just catching on, just because you're finally hearing about it, does not mean it's not being reported. I don't understand this idea that if I don't hear about it, they must not be talking about it. So I'm just going to make a blanket statement that nobody's reporting on this and nobody's covering this. It is an insult and it does a disservice to the people who have been covering this from day one. And I'm talking about my colleague, my former colleagues at MLive. I'm talking about my former colleagues at the Detroit Free Press. I'm talking about my former colleagues at the Detroit News. I'm talking about my friends over at the, Los, at the uh, Lansing State Journal. I'm also talking about nationally, too, because maybe that's what they're getting at. I'm talking about nationally over at ESPN, which has had its own issues, by the way. But they've done amazing reporting on this at ESPN. They've done amazing work on this at USA Today. To sit there and say that this story has not been covered and nobody knows about this and nobody knows their name and no one has been reporting on it, it's asinine, it's insulting, it's childish, and it's stupid. You want to sit here and say nobody's reported on this? Today, in the Detroit News, reports of sexual misconduct by Larry Nasser reached at least 14, 1-4, 14 representatives in the more than two decades before his arrest with no fewer than eight women reporting his actions. That's from the Detroit News. In fact, I want to give the names of the reporters on this. The reporter on this is Kim Kozlowski, the amazing investigative reporter over the Detroit News. Among those notified was MSU President Luana K. Simon, who was informed in 2014 that a Title IX complaint and a police report had been filed against a then unnamed physician. That physician was Nasser. This is 2014. Quote, I was informed a sports medicine doctor was under investigation. I was told people to play it straight up, and I did not receive a copy of the report. That's the truth. My first question is, why didn't you ask for one? If you really wanted to know, why didn't you find out? Collectively, collectively I'm just I'm tongue-tied because I'm frustrated. Collectively, the accounts show MSU missed multiple opportunities over two decades to stop Nasser, a graduate of their osteopathic medical school, which, by the way, if you read the ESPN piece on this, it was very it was under very dubious circumstances that this guy got his medical degree from MSU, and that's thanks in large part to John Getter. I'll get to him a little bit later. A graduate of its osteopathic medical school who became a renowned doctor but went on to molest scores of girls and women under the guise of treating them for pain. Nasser pleaded guilty to assaulting nine girls in Ingham County but faces more than 150 civil suits that also involve MSU and others. He was already sentenced to 60 years in prison for child pornography in federal court. Nasser will be in the Ingham County Circuit Court pretty much for the next few days for the third day of his sentencing hearing for the seven counts of criminal sexual conduct. And in just a remarkable sight, 
Judge Rose, Rosemary Aquilina is allowing any and everyone of his accusers to give a victim statement, which totals more than 100, 101 to be exact. And each one of them is going to get as much time as they like. And it has led to some of the most gut-wrenching, yet compelling, yet terrifying stories I've ever heard. I don't know how people in that courtroom can keep it together. Because I have the damnedest time keeping it together just listening to it on the live stream. It was in 2016, September 2016, that former gymnast Rachel Delander, or Del Hollander, excuse me, became the first to publicly accuse Nasser of molesting her. So Simon knew that Nasser was under investigation because I don't believe she wasn't told the name of this guy. She knew that Nasser was under investigation in 2014. He was still allowed to, quote, see patients during this stretch of time and continue to molest girls and women, including a number of women who were members of the United States women's gymnastics team and the Olympics, the gold medal winners. I think we begin to get an understanding now of why Gabby Douglas was not in the best of places during those Olympics. But the likes of Simone Biles and Allie Raisman and, and Michaela Maroney were also molested by this bastard. Two candidates for statewide office, both running for governor in Michigan, have called for Simon's resignation, despite claims that the university's legal defense team found no evidence that anyone other than Nasser knew of his criminal conduct. In response to a request for information from Michigan Attorney General and Republican governor's candidate Bill Schuette, former prosecutor Patrick Fitzgerald, who led an internal MSU inquiry into the Nasser case, wrote, while many in the community today wish they had identified Nasser as a predator, we believe the evidence in this case will show that no one else at MSU knew that Nasser engaged in criminal behavior. That is bullshit. It's bullshit. Six women with ties to university told the Detroit News that they had complained to at least one person at MSU when they believed Nasser's conduct crossed the line from medical to sexual, and a seventh outlined her report to MSU during sentencing. An eighth woman complained to the Meridian Township Police. MSU spokesman Jason Cody, a gentleman I've met a few times and talked to a few times when I worked back in Lansing, said the school responded vigorously once Nasser's crimes came to light in 2016. He said campus police took 135 reports of criminal sexual conduct, executed a search warrant that contributed to Nasser's convictions. MSU also established a $10 million counseling fund during its Board of Trustees meeting last month, that same meeting where Luana K. Simon turned down a raise from the Board of Trustees. Statement, quote, it's not appropriate to compare Nasser with Penn State, where leaders discussed and illegally ignored allegations against Jerry Sandusky. Quote, we want to reiterate that we are truly sorry for the abuse Nasser's victims suffered, the pain it caused and continues to cause. As the president said at the December board meeting, this situation also reinforces the importance of taking a hard look at ourselves, learning from what happened because it should never happen again. I'd be willing to take a flyer and believe MSU when they say that they would make sure it never happens again and that they were going to do their best to make sure that things like Nasser wouldn't occur in the school. The problem is, is that there are too many women telling us otherwise, too many girls telling us otherwise, That's, that nothing was done, that this was not approached with any sort of level of seriousness. And despite their insistence that there is no cover-up over time, that's exactly what we see, a consistent pattern, a consistent pattern 
of this from multiple women and girls. To go back to the news piece. Nasser was a respected osteopathic sports doctor at MSU and with USA Gymnastics who treated some of the nation's most prominent Olympic athletes. Coaches and others referred to competitors to him. Coaches and others referred competitors to him for pain relief that many understood involved osteopathic manipulation near the breast and vagina. I guess I should also make it very clear. Anybody who listens to this show knows this ain't for kids. We get we we get into big boy school here. So it's going to get graphic at certain points. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable to hear this. It's uncomfortable for me to talk about this shit, to be honest. But this is something that needs to be talked about. It's going to be laid out there. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to bullshit. We're not going to dance around it. We're just going to keep it real. But Nasser admitted to sexually assaulting young women during treatment by touching their breasts or buttocks or inserting his fingers inside of them for his own gratification without gloves or a lubricant. Some victims testified he assaulted them with their parents were present, while others said that he showed signs of sexual arousal during the exams. One of more than 150 civil lawsuits filed against Nasser, Michigan State, and others alleges his earliest known assault was in 1992 while he was finishing off that osteopathic medical degree at MSU. That victim, who was not named in court records, said that Nasser assaulted her when she was 12 years old to age 14. He asked her to his apartment for a study on manipulation treatments and paid her with a full body massage during which he digitally penetrated her vaginally and anally. The victim did not alert anyone at MSU, according to her attorney. Similar thing happened to Larissa Boyce, the first person believed to have told someone about Nasser at MSU. She reported it in 1997, 19 years before he was fired and prosecuted. He was caught in 2016. It's 1997, so this was around the time I first entered Michigan State University. 16-year-old student at Williamson High School, just east of Lansing, Boyce was seeing Nasser after hurting her back at a youth gymnastics program at Michigan State. Nasser put his fingers inside Boyce during weekly visits with him at his university office and in a room where the gymnast practiced at Jenison Fieldhouse. After a long appointment with Nasser at Jenison, a coach asked Boyce what was happening during that time. Boyce told the coach, who insisted that Boyce tell MSU's then-head gymnastics coach, Kathy Clagus. Now, Clagus is a name you're going to hear a lot of along the way, and you've heard a lot of it. Now, Boyce doesn't remember the name of the coach who approached her, but she still remembers the green carpet in Clagus's office and telling her that Nasser had been, quote, fingering her during visits. Quote, she just couldn't believe that was happening. The she she's referring to is Clagus. She said, I must be misunderstanding what's going on. Now, Clagus was MSU's gymnastic coach for 27 years. And she brought several of Boyce's fellow youth gymnasts into the office and asked them if Nasser did the same to them. Clegus, again, thinking that she was just basically trying to silence and shame this girl, was stunned when another girl raised her hand and said, yes, he had. That woman spoke to the Detroit News on a condition of anonymity, was 14 at the time, and remembers knowing before the meeting they would be talking about Nasser. It's just unreal. It's unreal because these girls go to Clagus thinking that they're going to get help from her, that she's going to look out for them, that she's going to do something about Nasser and, and nip this in the bud. Not really realizing that Clagus was more or less in on it with Nasser. Boyce, who told the Detroit News that she felt intimidated and humiliated and remembers what Clagus said about filing a police report. Quote, she said, I can file this, but there are going to be serious consequences for you and Nasser. 
Let's let's pump the brakes here for a second. A 16-year-old girl reports to a coach that a doctor molested her. That coach then moves her over to the head coach, who first brings all the other girls in the room to try to basically establish that the 16-year-old is lying. And then when another girl actually says, no, he did that to me too, she then basically tries to intimidate and shame this girl into keeping her mouth shut, saying that it could bring serious consequences for you and him. Clegus, who retired in February, one day after being finally suspended by the university, she declined to be interviewed, of course. Clegus didn't tell Voice's parents, but she told Larry Nasser. So she runs back to Nasser with the story. Quote, this is Boyce. Had I known that she was such good friends with him, I wouldn't have said anything. But that's the atmosphere that allowed this sort of, this sort of bullshit. And it wasn't just gymnasts. Two years later, Christy Achenbach sounded an alarm when she told her coach about Nasser's conduct. So this is 1999 now. Seven years after the first reported one. Ossenbach, a track and cross-country athlete, had hurt her hamstring and seen 15 other medical specialists before the MSU Athletic Center staff referred her to Nasser. During her appointment, Nasser told her that she was going to do something different for her pain. Mind you, hamstring injury. Quote, he said he has a new way of treating people, and that's going internally and manipulating the pelvic floor in order to help them with any problem a female might have. He said he had to go in but he didn't tell me the way he was going in was not using lubricant like a doctor normally would. He just kept rubbing back and forth, and that's when I knew something was going on. Then he kept putting his fingers up inside of me. Immediately afterwards, she called her parents, and she then said she called her coach, Kelly Burt, and told her that Nasser had rubbed her and inserted his fingers inside of her. Burt's response, quote, he's an Olympic doctor, and he should know what he's doing. What is this? What, what, what is this? Bird, who worked for MSU for one year as an assistant coach, told the news she doesn't remember Ossenbach complaining about Nasser. She also said she didn't know Nasser was an Olympic doctor. Quote, saying, I don't recall any of that. If he had done something sexual, I believe I would have reported that immediately. Well, I believe you're full of shit, Kelly Burt. Burt said she learned about Nasser's assaults from the media and said no one told her that he was doing something disgusting like that. Bert said that she was upset that someone had to go through that. Quote, if, if someone had something, if someone had said something about being assaulted, I would never brush it aside. To me, that's every woman's nightmare. You had your opportunity in 1999. In another case, former softball player Tiffany Thomas, she had moved from East Lansing or to East Lansing from Southern California to play softball for MSU. She developed low back pain, and she was referred to Nasser, who told her he could manipulate the pelvic floor area. During the early treatments, Nasser briefly would slip his thumb inside her. But in later visits, he put his fingers inside of her and moved them around, sometimes for 15 minutes. She started to question the whole thing to her trainers and often made up excuses not to go see him. And while away at a softball tournament, Lopez, or well, she's now Tiffany Lopez, was in a hotel room with her teen trainer, Liana Haddon, who was working with her because she was in so much pain. Lopez demonstrated to the trainer what Nasser would do to her to relieve her, to which Haddon gasped and said, no way, that's not right. Haddon, who remains an MSU athletic trainer working with the volleyball team, declined comment. You notice a pattern here. Lopez said Haddon sent her to tell Destiny Teacher Hawk another athletic trainer at MSU. Lopez recalls talking to 
talking to Hawk after the after a tournament while sitting on the bleachers at Jenison Fieldhouse. Quote, I was told if I felt extremely uncomfortable, then of course we could pursue something, but I was assured this was actual medical treatment. So this just keeps getting passed off as medical treatment. I don't care what anyone says. That does not sound like normal medical treatment. I also must note that Ms. Thomas, Tiffany Thomas, is a black woman. She had a few of them. During testimony on Tuesday at Nasser's sentencing, a second woman, Jennifer Bedford, testified that about two years after Thomas, she told Hatton that he had made her uncomfortable. I'm getting tongue-tied. It's, it's difficult to read this. Quote, I was so scared of revealing what I thought were shameful details that I didn't give her much to go on. And in the end, she wanted me to understand that filing a report that would involve an investigation, making an accusation against Nasser, and a statement that I felt that what Nasser did was unprofessional or criminally wrong. For Thomas, who learned of Bedford's testimony from a reporter, it was a second betrayal. This just keeps going. It just keeps going. Teachner Hauk, by the way, is still with the school. She's an athletic trainer in charge of women's gymnastics and supervises training for the rowing teams as well as the Jenison Fieldhouse training room. But Nasser's victims weren't all students. And this is the story, the one that was just startling to hear when the young lady read it during the victim statements and when it was mentioned on ESPN, and it's brought up here. Again, this is very graphic, but if you're listening to this podcast, you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into. A family friend of Nasser testified last year that she told an MSU clinical psychologist, Dr. Gary Stolak, about the doctor's abuse in the mid-2000s. Kyle Stevens, the first to publicly testify against Nasser last year, said he began molesting her in 1998 by exposing himself in the basement of his home. Stevens was six, six. Over the next six years, Nasser touched himself in front of her, massaged her feet against his groin, and inserted his fingers inside of her. Stevens testified in a preliminary examination for Nasser in Ingham County Court. She repeated her testimony on Tuesday at the sentencing hearing. This is where it gets really tough. Stevens told her parents of this in 2004. Now, imagine how difficult this is, that you get to sixth grade, it's 2004, so six years you're dealing with this. Six years of being molested by this man who's considered a family friend, which in numerous cases, sexual molestation occurs from acquaintances and from family members and from family friends. It's not, it's normally not some dude who's out here just randomly just busting into homes. It's always somebody you know. It, it. I mean, to steal a phrase, it, it, usually, it usually is your own people. Stevens told her parents in 2004 when she was in sixth grade. They took her to see Stolak, Stevens says in an interview. Stolak, now this is a psychologist, mind you, suggests that the parents meet with him and Nasser. During the meeting, Nasser denied using her feet to stimulate himself, and her parents believed him. Let me say that again. This girl who has been sexually abused, molested for six years, finally gets the courage in sixth grade, far younger than a lot of kids who will come forward and say these things, tells her parents, tells her psychologist. The psychologist brings in the parents and the accused, and without her in the room, they believe him. Nasser then came to her house that day and told her that if anything like that ever happened to her, she needed to tell someone. This Motherfucker, this piece of garbage, 
this no good piece of shit, basically knowing he was getting away with it, then does that to her in front of her parents. Quote, this is Stevens. Larry is a very sick man who's the very devoted to putting himself in a position to feed his pedophilia. Stevens is now 25. I wasn't anything but an object or a catalyst to make that happen. Reached at his home, Stolak, who retired in 2010, told the news what he testified in court. Quote, listen to this. I had a stroke in 2016 and I said with my right hand raised, I have no memories of any encounters with any of the people related to the case. Stevens said that Stolak didn't even try hard enough to find out what Nasser did and should have reported her allegations against the doctor to authorities. Oh, one other note, Stolak also destroyed all of his notes, which is illegal. Quote, Stolak did a pretty pathetic job of trying to uncover the truth. There should have been more of a mandatory reporting. He was in a profession where he should have just done that. A 1975 Michigan law requires professionals to report suspicions of child abuse to child protective services, including school administrators, teachers, police, and psychologists. It goes on and on and on. You have soccer players. You have people, you have people relaying information. You have these girls relaying information to police. The Meridian, the Meridian Township Police, for example, had a young lady named Brianne Randall Gay. 2004, the same time as the previous young lady, 2004, leaving her second visit with Nasser for back pain. He had touched her bare breasts and put his hand between her legs. She was 16 at the time. She was a soccer player and a tennis player. She told her friends at Hazlitt High School about the visit. She goes home, tells her mom that evening. She went to Meridian Township where officers sent her to Sparrow Hospital to get a rape kit. A few weeks later, police asked her to meet with Nasser. Why do you keep having these people meet with the abuser or the accuser? You don't do that. You don't do that with rape victims. You don't do that. I don't generally use F-bombs on this show, but what the f*** are you doing? What is this? Randall didn't want to go, so her parents went without her. Afterwards, they told her Nasser and the police said what she experienced was legitimate treatment. Since then, the father, her father has passed away and her mother couldn't be reached for comment. Larry said it was a misunderstanding because I was not a gymnast and not comfortable with my body and that's where the misunderstanding was. Brianne Randall is, is now 30 years old. She publicly reviewed her identity during Nasser's sentencing hearing and in an interview said she did not know if Meridian Township Police even bothered contacting MSU. Assistant Police Chief Ken Plaga said the department did not do so and never forwarded her report to the Ingham County Prosecutor which at the time would have been Stuart Dunnings, who's now in prison for human trafficking and, you guessed it, molesting young girls. It's really hard to see an institution that I look up to not take ownership for its mistakes of allowing a president to continue to abuse for so long. It wasn't until 2014 that Luana Simon finally got a complaint, so she could probably claim some sort of plausible deniability for a decade of this. Perhaps if you really wanted to be good, because she had only been president since 2004. So some of this occurred under Peter McPherson beforehand. But she gets the memo in 2014. MSU alum Amanda Tomashow told Dr. Jeff Kovan of the MSU Sports Medicine Clinic about a possible sexual misconduct while on a March 24th visit to Nasser's office for treatment of hip pain. Kovan reported the incident to the Office for Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives and then the office that investigated sexual misconduct complaints under Title IX that bars discrimination on the basis of sex. The accuser also reported the abuse of the MSU police in May of 2014. Notice of both complaints reached Simon. 
The MSU president declined to be interviewed for the story. Hell, she declined to show up for the first day of the victim statements, choosing to stay in her office and watch it on the live stream. See, I'm in Philadelphia, and I'm not the president of MSU. I can watch it on live stream on my phone or on my iPad or on my desk. You're the goddamn president of the goddamn university that has more than 100 girls accusing you of basically, you know, harboring a pedophile posing as a doctor. You might want to show up. I understand that the university is dealing with tons of litigation, and it's about to get a lot uglier as we go on in this thing. But for the sign and just for the sake of common decency, get up off your ass and get your ass into that courtroom and be there and take your medicine like everybody else. This, this whole thing is like you see it over and over again. The Title IX complaint concluded that Nasser's conduct was not of a sexual nature. There is not a consistent level at which MSU administrators are alerted of the disposition of Title IX complaints. This is Jason Cody. It all depends on the circumstances involved in specific cases. There is no blanket answer. Cody said Simon did not receive additional information about the inquiry or its outcome. How did she not? How does the... Help, help me. Help me. How does the university president not know about any of this shit? Huh? How do you not know? I'm, I'm frustrated. And I'm angry. And I'm not sure what to do. The report included interviews with the victim's mother and three of her friends, plus Nasser and three MSU medical manipulation specialists, Drs. Brooke Lemon, Lisa DeStefano, and Jennifer Gilmore, plus Teachner Hauk, remember her. All told the investigators that Nasser's behavior was medically appropriate. But all three doctors also say they don't do skin-to-skin contact, even though it makes it easier to feel for soft tissue changes. Quote, she does it over clothes because as a woman, she's sensitive to the fact that skin-to-skin contact may be uncomfortable for some. According to the report summary interview with De Stefano, the chairwoman and associate professor in the Department of Osteopathic Manipulative Medicine. I'm not sitting here saying that there aren't legit medical treatments. What I'm saying is what Nasser was doing was not legit. It was molestation. It was sexual assault. It was rape. Unbelievable. It's just, I'm, I think I'm speechless reading this and just looking through this because just overall, it's just mind-blowing. Lemon resigned in January of last year after being threatened with termination. She's threatened with termination, but Nasser was able to hang around forever. According to records, Nasser had told Lemon that USA Gymnastics was also investigating him, but she told no one. She removed several boxes of confident treatment records at Nasser's request after allegations emerged about him, but returned the records before giving them to Nasser. This is from MSU Documents. Moore notified Nasser's boss, Dr. William Strample, the dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine, about the complaint. At Strample's, direct, at Strample's direction, Nasser agreed to have another person in the room when treating patients and to limit skin-to-skin contact. Strample recently stepped down from his position and is on, quote, medical leave. A year after the complaint, MSU police forwarded the report to the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office, which declined to file charges against Nasser. The prosecutor at the time, Stuart Dunnings, who, as you know, is now in jail, could not be reached for comment. MSU Detective Kelly Johnson spoke with Nasser in December 2015 and told him the prosecutor was not pressing charges. Again, knowing what you know about Stuart Dunnings, it starts to make sense now.
Johnson reminded him to have a chaperone in the room and explain his procedures. That same report showed after July 2014, when Nasser was cleared in the Title IX investigation, at least 12 more assaults occurred. After July 2014, he did the shit 12 more times. At least. Tomashow, who filed the complaint, said she suspects the number is far higher than that. It makes me sad. This is Tomashow, as she tells the news. It makes me sad that my word wasn't enough to protect them. I'm really frustrated that MSU did not stop him when I gave him the information. It's time for MSU to be held accountable for what happened. They need to admit that they're wrong. I, I'm, I'm almost out of words to describe everything I just read and everything I've just gone through. I'm kind of out of words to describe what I've heard the last few days during these victim statements and everything that I've known about this Nasser case for the better part of the year. I'm dismayed because there is no real sliding scale between which place was worse, whether it's Penn State or it's Baylor, and now it's MSU. This is the first time in my life where I've been a bit ashamed to put on MSU gear. And I've been through terrible football seasons, te pretty, well, I wouldn't say pretty tough basketball seasons, but terrible football seasons. Watching that football team go through sexual assault issues and do crazy things like assaulting people randomly in Rayther Hall. And there have been assaults and there have been all sorts of ridiculous things associated with the school, but I ne it never tempered my enthusiasm or my love for the university. But this is absolute horseshit. It's wrong. It's one of the great shames upon any university, let alone Michigan State. What you've seen here from MSU is one of the more just disgusting, galling, shocking, sickening, maddening accounts of organizational cowardice of enabling of malfeasance of negligence of callousness of evil and i heard and read through the documents of what jerry sandusky did to those boys all those years this in that aspect is no different the only difference is instead of it being boys it's Young girls and teenage girls, young women. There's stories of girls being unable to even be alone in the same room with male doctors. There's stories of girls faking periods to avoid seeing him. There's stories of women basically turning to drinking to ease the pain. Women speaking of having PTSD. One of them committed suicide. The father of Kyle Stevens. The dad who refused to believe his own daughter. He commits suicide. There's so many stories. And there's still more to come. But I will say this, as I said at the beginning of all this. And I'll make it as bluntly clear as I possibly can. Any and everyone that I listed here, if they are still working at Michigan State University, they need to no longer be there. Whether you're Teachner Halk or Strample or anybody. And yes, this goes all the way up to the top. This goes right at the feet. The buck stops in front of Luana K. Simon. You can't 
you can't sit here and have control over a major university, one of the largest universities in the country, the largest overall university in the state of Michigan. You can't be in charge of a world-class university like Michigan State and then sit here and play dumb like you didn't know what was going on. You couldn't be that negligent that you didn't ask for more information. You let this man stay on this campus for two more years. 2014, it wasn't until 16 that they finally arrested the son of a bitch. You knew what was going on. You've got government officials calling for her to resign. The state news, the student paper, cover story. One word, resign. I don't make a habit of doing this. But Luana K. Simon needs to go. She needed to be gone yesterday. She needed to be gone a long time ago. And that board of trustees, including the likes of guys like Joel Ferguson and George Perlis, this gentleman named Breslin, who's the head of the board of trustees, he wasn't there either. And yes, I understand again, MSU was staring down a bushel basket of litigation. I don't give a fuck. She must go. Anybody who knew either has to resign, be fired, and a lot of them probably need to be brought up in front of a judge. And I'm talking about Kathy Clagus. I'm talking about Gettard. I'm talking about each and every one of you who played some semblance of a role to those doctors who keep writing it off as medical treatment. Medical treatment? I haven't done a day in a medical school. But I know for a fact that I'm not going to no doctor's office when a doctor is trying to probe and prod me without a goddamn glove on. How many of those girls told you that he wasn't wearing that he wasn't wearing gloves? That he's just essentially putting his fingers into places in these girls, ungloved, hand unwashed, feeling them up, doing all these disgusting, terrible things to these young women and girls, and you sat there and passed it off as medical procedure. They reported it to women. These are being reported to other women. The worst of all of them is Clagus. I don't even think enough is being made of how awful Kathy Clagus is. How she looks in all this. How she is in all this. Where the complaints were coming into her about Nasser, And she's low-key intimidating them. Threatening them. All this shit. And when Nasser gets arrested. Where a lot of these girls have been reporting that this bastard has been touching them and doing all these things. She's trying to circulate cards of sympathy to him and get those girls to sign it. And to get some sort of united front behind Larry Nasser. Kathy Clagus, may you rot in hell. Because you ate it and abetted a pedophile. You're no better than Joe Paterno. You're no better than those scumbags out at State College. You're no better than those shitheads down at Baylor. You knew what was going on and you let it happen anyway. And you tarnished the great name of Michigan State University. You knew she was guilty. You knew she did something. She's finally suspended after years of aiding and abetting a goddamn pedophile. The next day, she retires and immediately runs over to Twistars to start working with Gettard as an assistant coach there, basically leaving more young girls open to be violated by the next bastard calling himself a doctor walking his ass through that door. Gettard and Nasser were working a good cop, bad cop angle. With Nasser being the good cop and Gettard just being the straight-up abusive jerk-off bad cop. He wasn't sexually abusing anybody. He was physically abusing people and getting in their faces. Read the ESPN report on that. I've always been proud to be a Spartan. I've always been proud to wear the colors green and white. I said it in episode 40 
that I get goosebumps when I hear the MSU fight song. I don't get that from anywhere else. I don't get those goosebumps from that stupid fight song the Lions have. I don't get those goosebumps from Fly Eagles Fly. I don't get those goosebumps from any other college fight song because MSU is real and MSU is inside of me and the influence it had on my life. MSU made me the man I am. But it also, it's so much more to me. I don't get passionate like this about too many things. I get passionate like this about my family, about the people I love, about the people I care about. I get passionate like this about my city. I get passionate like this about this podcast. I get passionate about the, the industry of journalism, for better or worse. And I get passionate about Michigan State University, and I get passionate about Wayne State University where I got my master's degree. But Michigan State University is different. The best, most formative years of my life were in East Lansing. It's a place where I learned to kind of grow and become the guy I am. So if you want to blame anybody, blame them. But this is one of the great shames of a great university like MSU. This is one of the great shames. It's, it's the type of stain that don't come off no time soon. It's the, type of, it's the type of stain that stays with you. That's a black mark on this university's history. A university that has been known for groundbreaking moments. A university that has been known, at least in my, in my mind, it was one of the few schools that really made it possible for, for men who look like me to get a college education. At a time when a lot of schools around this country were too busy segregating and keeping our asses out. Michigan State University was one of the first schools to openly make inroads into cities like Detroit and Flint and openly go right into the South and recruit these black players that were being excluded from schools like Alabama and Texas and Oklahoma because they were too busy segregating. They were too busy sticking to Jim Crow. Michigan State University means so much to me, and I will stand and defend and fight for that damn school as hard as I can. I will not defend this. I will not stand behind this. I will not stand for this. I will not enable this. I want to take all of them, Nasser and Clagus and Gettard and Strample and Teachner Halk and every single person who aided, abetted, and enabled this horseshit to go on. I want to take them all and run them through a wood chipper like Fargo. Toss them into the, into the Coliseum and feed them to the lions. This is inexcusable. It's gross. It's disgusting. I, I'll never understand people who refuse to believe young girls and young boys when they say they've been molested by a, by a family friend or by a relative or by an acquaintance or by, in this case, a doctor or a coach. It scares the living shit out of me, the idea of me having a kid one day, and I got to worry about one, of you, about one of you effing scumbags not being able to keep your hands to yourself. I just know this, and I say this to myself over and over again. I remind myself of this. If i got to go back and listen to this podcast, and I've been going for almost an hour, this is inexcusable. I'm emotional, but I've also thought this through for the last couple of days before I wanted to record this, so you're getting the real thing. For the love of all that is holy, Michigan State University, clean this up now. Luana K. Simon, you have to go. If you're half the Spartan you claim to be. With clearly everything that has gone on showing, you're not even that. But if you're half the Spartan you claim to be, you will tender your resignation as soon as possible. Another day should not pass. The sun should not rise in the east and set in the west with you as my alma mater's president. Get out. And to Larry Nasser as I will close this out. Prior 
to Thursday's victim statements. Larry Nasser wrote a letter to the court asking, asking, mind you, that they put an end to the victim statements because, quote, I'm very concerned about my ability to be able to face witnesses these next four days mentally. He feels that the entire thing is simply a media circus and it is having a gross effect on his mental health. Listen here, you piece of human excrement. I don't give a shit if you have to sit there and watch these girls speak for 10 hours uninterrupted. You will sit there and you will take it. How dare you, after 25 years of subjugating so many of these young girls, ruining the lives of so many young girls and young women, how dare you invoke your mental health? Fuck you and your mental health. I hope they take every single one of these 100 plus victim statements, put them on a video, on a continuous loop, and make you sit in a solitary confinement for 23 hours a day and watch it on a, just a straight loop over and over again. And that's still not good enough for you. People like you are a stain on this society. And you deserve everything that you get. Do better, Michigan State. Do a lot better. We need more from you. We need better from you. We need better from this society, but we really need better from you. I want to thank you for listening. We're going to have a hell of a lot more fun in the next couple of weeks. But this this is something that needed to be said. This is something that needed to be done. And, uh, yeah. I had to get this off. And I apologize if it made some of you uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm lying. I don't apologize for that. If you're listening to this podcast, you know what you're getting yourself into. MSU do better. Do better. You live by the hashtag and by the phrase Spartans will. Well, simply put, Spartans will do better. Because you need to. Because Michigan State University is attached to my name as it is to thousands of others. And I don't want anything like this ever attached to my name. Take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Be good to each other out there. And I will see you next week. In fact, later on this weekend, I'll give you 62.5. I'll give you the episode that was supposed to be today's. We're going to have some fun, but this needed to be said. And I thank you very much for your time and your support of JSC Radio. I'll see you later on in the weekend. Uh, and, and, and the dialogue you tried to establish up to today in terms of the offer to get comment, have we ever heard anything from them? Well, they won't comment on specific allegations largely because they're being sued. They're being sued by more than 150 women. Uh, so they, they just won't go there. Uh, but in recent days, there have been greater calls for transparency. Everybody from the attorney general in Michigan on down is now talking about a an independent investigation of who knew what and when at Michigan State, Bob. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. 
She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.